Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. HR Works is brought to you by Incognito, a simple tool to collect anonymous employee feedback. Research shows that employees are more likely to provide honest, open feedback when anonymity is guaranteed. All Incognito plans include a unique anonymous chat feature that lets you get to the root of your employees' concerns without revealing their identity. Plans also include customization options, usage restrictions, and much more. Head over to GoIncognito.com for a free 30-day trial, or just Google I-N-C-O-G-N-E-A-T-O. When you are ready, plans start at just $9 a month. Gain powerful insights from your employees with Incognito, spelled N-E-A-T-O. We know that employers spend a lot of time and energy on the entire employee life cycle, from sourcing to onboarding straight through attention, engagement, and of course, exit interviews. I think most HR professionals would agree that the fewer exit interviews that they have to conduct, the better. That means keeping your workers focused on their jobs, but also feeling good about their work environment. Today we are joined by Shawnee Godwin, an entrepreneur, author, blogger, speaker, and radio host. She is the founder of the marketing project support service, Communique USA. Founded in 2002, Communique USA provides marketing project relief and support to stressed out and overworked marketing departments around the country. She's had clients like Chick-fil-A, Party City, Georgia Power, and many others. Her approach is to find better ways for key stakeholders and communities to work and play by using joy as their currency. The name of her program is Joy Economics, Creating Better Way to Life, Work, and Play. Shani, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Fantastic. Why don't we just jump right in? Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about how and why you started your company? Um, Sure. I started Communicate USA in um, 2002, and I started the company to be a lifeline to overburdened marketing departments and and organizations that were really stressed out. At the time, um, to put things in context, we were at a place in the country where we were a year past 9-11. We were um, just coming out of the dot-com failure. And I was super young. I was in my late 20s. And I was um, married and really contemplating starting a family and trying to figure out how I could be this super great CEO uh, boss lady and leave my job um, and also make space for family, kids, basketball games, ballet lessons, etc. And so I came up with the idea for Communicate USA to really be the um, content solution for 
over overburdened marketing departments, um, small businesses, organizations that needed great content, just the same way you need design. Um, and that kind of was the inkling of the idea that got Communicate started. And so started out doing simple kind of onesie, twosie, one-off projects for companies like Party City and uh, Safeco Insurance companies and lots of small businesses around the Atlanta area. And in time, um, that really grew to to become much more corporate focused uh, work. And we, we spend the lion's share of our time um, these days camping out in super stressed out marketing departments, um, really help helping lighten the load, both physically um, taking on the work and, and implementing marketing projects, but also um, emotionally nurturing and supporting um, our clients in ways that help, help ultimately produce more joy for them so that they can focus on the things that make them happy. I do want to ask you about some of the successes of your company, um, but first I just had a, a quick question about, you know, you use the term stressed out marketing department. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk a little bit about the difference between individual stress and whether a whole team has any like, correlations to the same kind of stress? Yeah, so I, I think um, one produces the other. I mean, if you consider in our organizations, our organizations, uh, particularly in corporate America and in corporate spaces, are a function of individuals. Um, it's important to recognize that when employees are stressed out, then what that does is bring that toxicity, if you will, into the organization. And so organizations have the ability to lessen or lighten the load of stress on their employees by the way they allow employees to live, work, and play. And so um, marketing is an interesting department because it really is responsible for driving the top line of organizations in terms of really helping generate revenue and profit for the organization. And so inevitably, it's a space in an organization that is just ripe for stress. I mean, it's a super deadline-oriented, deadline-driven culture. Um, the work, while albeit creative and very rewarding, is riddled with lots of shifts and turns and uh, pressures that um, don't necessarily show up in other parts of the organization. And when the numbers look right, it's great. And when the numbers look wrong, it, it can be super stressful. You always have to stay ahead of the game. You have to know your competition. You have to be fluid and nimble. And what it does naturally is um, create a, a, a a baseline for stress to develop. And then you take that and you put people uh, in charge of driving those numbers, driving that type of success for the organization, making sure stockholders um, are, are appeased, et cetera. And it's just a ripe, fertile ground for for a lot of stress. And so I think as much as the stress drives the creativity and the innovation in organizations, if left unmanaged, if uh, people are not given boundaries and space to take breaks, healthy breaks and disconnect, which also, you know, white space and white noise and disconnection also fuels and breeds creativity, then, you know, at times it, it creates kind of a perfect, perfect storm. So what we do at Communique, um, we uh, send contractors um, to our clients' organizations to help lighten the load again, physically taking work off of our clients' place, plates, 
plugging in the gaps, helping them manage the stress of deadlines and, you know, meetings and all the things that marketers are tasked with. Mm. But we also uh, nurture our employees in a way that allows them to extend that nurturing to clients so that in difficult times when life hits amidst the deadlines, things like divorces, illness, deaths in the family, um, and positive things like births and things that take you away from the core line business, they're still able to thrive and, and support the total client, the total person, and hopefully pre- create a positive experience and create some joy amidst the busy, crazy, stressed out days. Well, thanks for taking the time to um, explain that difference between individual stress and and sort of team stress. Um, what are some of the successes that your company has realized in just uh, the last few years? Oh, wow. The last few years have been really um, a lot of fun and um, also stressful <laughs> as well, which is where um, the idea and concept for Joy Economics kind of came from. Our company about, um, gosh, about four years ago, took a deliberate shift toward uh, moving from what I'd call a lifestyle business. Again, I was the marketer who left the marketing world to go start a marketing company so she could have a lifestyle that afforded her the freedom and flexibility to um, kind of move and pivot in life the way that she wanted to. Um, but ultimately, um, I, I ended up um, divorced. I did not have a family. Mm. Um, and so my family became my business and my business um, interest and kind of poured myself and that energy into the business. And so around 2014, we really saw opportunity to grow and scale the business. Um, We were staring easily at a million plus in revenue if we just kind of made some tweaks. And so we really set ourselves on a path for a super high growth trajectory and went from about four employees at the beginning of 2014 to 14 employees in a matter of four months. And that was this crazy, ridiculous, fast growth track that we um, we took upon ourselves and kind of rode that wave for about the next two and a half years, adding employees, adding staff, scaling, growing the business. And it actually took its toll on me um, emotionally because I was thrust into kind of a new leadership space that... Um, was different and unique to me. And I I had to quickly learn how to swim in a different way. And um, the the highs of the moment were, you know, obviously doing what only 2% of women-owned businesses are able to do, which is scale and grow above the million-dollar mark. Um, You know, all of the the attention and the good things that come from scaling and growing were there. Um, but also with, uh, you know, there's a saying to who much is given, much is required. There also was an underbelly sat shadow side of that, that I had to figure out, you know, what to do about and how I needed to figure out a new way of, of existing in the business that would produce as much joy as I had when the business was smaller and I was really heavily engaged in project work. So is that the was that a breaking point for you when you decided to shift the entire culture of your company? Uh, it, it was the it was the pre, the lead into the breaking point. I actually um, during this time 
thrust myself um, because I, I realized that as a marketer, I was well equipped to manage marketing projects for clients, but I really did not have the people leadership skills that I needed um, to grow the business and to manage all of the people assets of the business. I uh, really became um, very much a student of the business and brought resources in, executive coaches um, came in and helped um, the leadership team kind of grow and uh, develop into the leadership space that we needed to occupy. Um, I also um, was selected to participate in a leadership program in Atlanta, um, Leadership Atlanta, which is a super competitive 10-month leadership program. Um, behind that, I did um, uh, was nominated for and selected to be part of Goldman Sachs 10,000 Small Businesses Program, which was another labor-intensive working on the business um, thing that I did. And the whole, um, everything kind of came to a head in that program because the whole point of the Goldman Sachs program is to get you to grow even more. And I find, found myself asking myself some really pretty serious questions amidst the um that program. And the, they were questions like, do I want to keep growing? At this point, the company had been growing by leaps and bounds for three years straight. And I needed to determine what did growth look like? And honestly, when would it slow down? Because just the toll of chronic stress on anybody is going to show up and take its toll. And I tell people, you know, when you're working nonstop, when you're grinding and going hard in the paint, and it's a short period. It's okay. But, you know, for me, this was over about a two to three year period. Um, that was starting to look like a lot of sleepless nights, insomnia, um, you know, and then if you're not sleeping well at night, you know, you're in the, the office. I'm not a coffee drinker, but I love Coke. So mm -hmm. that looks like a lot of Coca-Cola and then you're crashing, you're going up and you're going down <laughs> and you're tired and then you can't sleep again. And so, um, I found myself in the midst of this Goldman Sachs program, really like questioning myself as the leader of this business. Like, I know I'm in this program to grow more, but is that really what I want? And and I started asking myself some really hard questions like, how am I measuring myself? How am I measuring my success? And what I came to realize, Jim, was that for me personally, success I measured my success based on my happiness, not how much money the company was bringing in. And the more I was chasing the top dollar, the top line revenue, the more unhappy I actually was becoming. So it kind of made me pull back and start thinking about the business differently. And so I was up at 3 a.m. one night and just really kind of upset and crying and like, it sounds really like a spoiled brat, honestly, crying because you're growing so fast. <laughs> but um, I just was like, I I just, you know, was really like struggling. And I kind of just was like, I wish the world, I wish the world measured success based on happiness or joy, because that would be the kind of economic system that I would thrive in. And I literally, I know it sounds cliche, but I literally sat up in bed and it was like the biggest light bulb moment ever. And it was like joy economics. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like that's, that's the world that I want to live in. And what if we created a culture 
that allowed our employees to pursue work they love, to work in ways that they love inside of our organization, pair them with clients that fuel them versus drain them, and allow them to show up more holistically at work as who they really are, give them space and boundaries to create outside of work, um, allow them time to go reconnect with their family and friends and truly give them that time off, not just the lip service version of it, but truly give them distance from the company. How would they show up at work? How would the company grow? And who would I be as a leader? And I, I was like, I think I'm on to something. So the first thing I do when I get a, a crazy middle of the night idea is check the URL to see if it's available. So I checked and joyeconomics.com was there. And I was like, okay, that's a good sign. I called my attorney the next day. And um, with after that 3 a.m. epiphany, I mapped out a whole um, business model, honestly, within two hours. So from three to five that morning, I was up crafting and that's kind of where it came from. But yeah, that it was the breaking point of all the stress of growth that drove me to that 3 a.m. moment where I was like, eh, how am I defining my success? Forget how the world, how the country, how corporate America, how we're taught to define success, but what matters most to me? And for me, the answer was being happy. And so that's where it was born from. So that's a very interesting, um, you know, I, I like the revelation of it's not about making money, <laughs> which I can I can just hear a bunch of CEOs, you know, groaning. Oh, great. Say you know, right. <laughs> another idea that somehow involves us not making money. Um, but, you know, and yes. I've I've read so much research about the stuff. We publish these articles all the time. There's a direct correlation between how well you take care of your employees and how well they perform that gets lost on paper, you know. Um, well, yeah, and if I can interject, sure. um, I'm sorry for interrupting, but it, and that's kind of, a, I think, the misnomer of joy economics. The, it's not about not making money. It's really about the approach to making money, you know, versus driving people to death <laughs> and to a point of burnout and exhaustion requiring this 24-7 connected you know, tethered person to the bottom line. It's actually a counterintuitive approach to making money. So the economics piece is about wealth building, but it's more a challenge to approach wealth building and making money in a different way, if that makes sense. I mean, it does to me. And I, and I think it's really important that a lot of, um, a lot of businesses hear something like this because I know that, you know, with the recruiting crisis going on and people are job hopping, you know, um, HR managers for sure. And also CEOs are getting very concerned about how are they going to grow their company if they can't get, right. keep talent, if they can't get new talent in. And if you look at everything from just a line item perspective, you miss that. What you miss is the guy that's sitting at his desk that's been working hard for five years that isn't getting the recognition, that isn't getting the space, isn't getting the time. Um, and by the time you're you're in an exit interview with him, it's already way too late for you to make any changes. You know, so right, absolutely. Um, how how has Joy Economics helped you and your teams be more productive and and made your company more profitable, especially with the idea of working fewer hours? Sure. Um. So we 
we work, uh, on average, we run about a 35 hour work week. So over time, if you're doing overtime, it gets you to, to a full 40 hour work week. Um, nobody in our organization works more than 40 hours a week. That's where the limit and the, you max out. Um, and I, I think before I fully answer the question, one of the things I wanted to say, so again, as I came up with this idea, I was in the middle of this intense business program through Goldman Sachs. And so um, my whole growth plan through Goldman Sachs was building out the case study for Joy Economics, and it was the business case study. And so in my research, you know, there's just so much research and data to support um, this principle and culture and philosophy. One of my favorite stats to quote is just the cost of stress on businesses. And so the underpinning uh, reason why this work matters is, again, looking at the cost of stress on companies and their bottom line. And so last year, stress cost companies $300 billion in losses um, across the board. And, you know, as I kind of dove into the work, I started looking at what that looked like. Um, if you're connected 24-7, then you're never really giving people a break. And if a person doesn't have a mental break and space and distance, then that will show up in your business in some form or fashion, whether it's illness. And so your insurance premiums start to go up and, and skyrocket. Um, if it shows up in terms of absenteeism, then again, that's production hours that um, have to be filled or recovered. Um, and so we started looking at you know, what it looks like when you invest in the, the total wellness of your employees. And so for us, that looks like being intentional with things like um, email access. We do have a 7 p.m. commitment to turn off email and disengage as a company. Um, and it's a requirement. It's not just something that we, we want you to do, but from the moment you step in our doors, we're going to give you a time tracking policy. We're going to explain the culture, explain the reasons why, and you're going to make a commitment and sign on the dotted line that you're not going to engage in email after 7 p.m. and on weekends. Um, it can be kind of hard for people. They're excited about it, and then they have to really practice it. And so we have to do a lot of coaching and training our employees on how to stay present and connected to your clients um, in a way that doesn't um, Im impose the business and infuse the business into your personal life. And so that typically looks like a good 90 to 120 day detoxing process for most new employees because we're just wired kind of like Pavlov's dog to, you know, hear the bell or the ding of the email. And we're like right there uh, to respond. Um, we also do things, we do an annual play day where we pay our employees to play. It's an intentional day during the summer where we break our employees away from the hustle and bustle of their uh, crazy clients' worlds, and we take them out to a social activity. We also invite them to bring their families um, to to that day, uh, it's summertime, so a lot of the kids are in summer camps. Um, husbands and wives join us, uh, kids join us, and it's during the business day. And so um, we used to do social activities outside of work, but we realized, again, people didn't want the social pressure of coming to a work function after hours, again, that's time that we were asking them to commit to the company during their personal time. So we just started 
deciding to pay them to play, meaning you get paid your regular salary that day. We're going to go play, have some fun time, invite your family, invite, you know, a friend, and we're going to go to Braves game on Wednesday at noon, or we're going to go, you know, um, to a Dave and Buster's type place, have lunch, commune, have fun, and just relax. Um, and again, from a business standpoint, we've got to schedule these into our our revenue, into our um, back-end operational procedures. We've got to cover off clients and make sure the work still gets covered in order to make these things happen. But those are some of the things we do. Um, one of the things I'm most proud of is um, recognizing that in um, when people are having difficult things happen in their life. Again, um, we had an employee recently who had to have emergency surgery. Um, doing things like making sure that they know they can disconnect. We do an all-hands-on-deck approach where if you have an emergent situation pop up, um, your teammates immediately take the burden of all of your work mm -hmm. off of your plate so that you don't have to you don't have to think about it. Um, we we believe fully that your highest priority in a life event should be your life, your family, your friends. Um, I've unfortunately lost my father as uh, during the time of having this business. There've been several losses, and thank you very much. Um, there've been several losses and difficult parts of life that we've had to navigate. And we found that when we give people space to grieve, when we give people space to show up in their personal life, that again, that consideration, if you will, um, allows them to pay our business back in time long term. And it looks like um, increased morale. It looks like um, loyalty. It looks like, you know, extending that grace and courtesy back to clients when they're having the same thing happen. So these are just some of the ways that it, it all kind of comes full circle to pull um, our business and move our business forward while at the same time we uplift and encourage our employees. What would your advice be to other business leaders who may be challenged with making the shift to a more balanced workplace, especially since sometimes it's hard to think it's hard to think in that, you know, I can do more with less kind of mentality. Right. Right. Um, our, so the challenge is to start with yourself as the leader. Um, one of the biggest questions I get from leaders and a pushback I get is, oh, well, you know, that wouldn't work in my mm. business. And the reality is my business is not any different from any other person's business. As I said at the top of our time together, marketing is one of the most uh, in-demand areas of any business. And for um, our culture, it all starts with me. So if, if I'm not disconnecting at times, if I'm not modeling, what this looks like before my employees, then they don't ever believe that it's possible for them. And so as a leadership um, structure and a leadership team, leadership disengages and um, we're deliberate about intentionally not disturbing employees when they're on vacation, when they're dealing with life events on the weekends, um, et cetera. The, I, I can't tell you the number of times leaders uh, do one thing and then encourage or champion the opposite in 
um, their employees. And so much of why work-life balance does get a bad rap or isn't believable is because we don't model it at the top levels of the organization. In a, in a stressed out time, most leaders default to this is the business. You, we got to get this done. And so that looks like disruption during the weekend. It looks like intrusion during life events. And so no matter what's going on in my business, I always try to put in perspective what we're really doing. You know, it's just marketing. It's, you know, just, you know, party, party planning. It's just chicken. It's just, um, you know, whatever the product or service is that we're promoting. And that's not to diminish our clients' brands or businesses, but it's just to say at the end of the day, you know, when my life is said and done, I'm not, no one's going to remember, you know, how many campaigns I ran or how many, um, how many widgets I sold for somebody, but they will remember the time um, that, I allowed them to live their life. And so for me as a leader, it starts with me really living and breathing these principles, modeling it before my organization, and then implementing it. So my advice to a leader who's like struggling to even figure out how to do something as simple as balance is just figure out something simple you can do and start with that. Try to not answer email one night or for one week after 7 or 8 p.m. and see how that goes for you. And the more you can infuse these principles into your daily life, um, have intentional time carved out for you, it'll be easier to extend that grace to your employees. Well, thank you so much. I think this has been great. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. Thank you very much. It's It's been a pleasure. Um, thank you for having me. Of course. Listeners, we are always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast or with any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works. <laughs>